On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla didn't just have a great first quarter, they set another all-time company record for most deliveries in a quarter. Plus, autopilot boss Andre Carpathy talks full self-driving in a new interview, Elon Musk sets an ambitious production goal for 2021, and more. What's happening, friends? It is Ryan McCaffrey with you for episode 296 of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for April 4th, 2021. I've uh, had a great day today. I'm in an excellent mood. The weather's been awesome here all week, and I got up this morning hoping that Tesla was going to reveal their production and delivery numbers for Q1 so that I could get them into my notes and tell you about them for this week's episode before I record, which is here on a Friday night. And sure enough, Tesla did post them first thing in the morning here on April 2nd, and the news was all good. Like, wow, it's good news. (laughs) Holy cow, it's good news. So let's get right to it. Tesla just delivered in the first quarter of 2021 184,800 cars in what is, I remind you, historically... Tesla's slowest quarter ever is, uh, you, you know, year in, year out. Now, what's crazy is that we just had Tesla's biggest quarter ever in Q4 of 2020. That was 180,570 deliveries. So uh, 184,800 deliveries here in Q1, beating that Q4 number by a little bit, that all-time record did not stand for very long. Now, for additional context, Q1 2020, so just go back a year, 88,400. Again, compared to 180,570. So uh, Tesla more than doubling year-over-year production by a pretty healthy margin, in fact. Clearly, we can infer, number one, that the two-day shutdown at Fremont that they had to endure due to a part shortage in the wake of the Texas ice storms didn't slow them down too much. Or we could look at it another way and say that if that two-day slowdown, uh, two-day stoppage, I should say, had not happened, deliveries might have projected out to about 188,500 or so, since if you do the math, with the two-day work stoppage, Tesla was averaging about 2,053 cars per day overall. Now that, again, that's across Fremont and Shanghai at this point, even when accounting for that two-day work stoppage. For what it's worth, uh, because it's always interesting to see what the stock market does after Tesla reports some kind of numbers, the stock market was closed on Friday in observation of Good Friday ahead of Easter Sunday, which is the day here that this show is publishing. So as of me recording this on late Friday night, I have not yet been able to see the stock market's reaction. Now, it seems like more often than not, the stock price tends to go down on production and delivery announcements as well as earnings report days, regardless of how good or bad the news is. It just seems like it's it's either the news is either 
has either been bad in the past and it sent the stock price down or the expectation was set too high on Wall Street and Tesla doesn't live up to that expectation. Now, in this case, uh, I don't know how this news could do anything but send the stock price northward come next week. Now, by the way, uh, I am quoting all delivery numbers here. I didn't read you the production numbers. They were actually a touch lower than deliveries this time at 180,338. That that tends to ebb and flow. One quarter, the deliveries might be higher. One quarter, the production might be a little higher. Depends if there are cars left in transit and quarter on quarter and the, the transition window there between quarters or what have you. But the deliveries at the end of the day are what I'm looking at here. Of the 184,800 cars delivered, more than I thought, I must admit, more than I thought were S's and X's. The combined S and X number for Q1 is 2,020. However, every single one of those cars were leftover inventory cars from Q4. Zero Model S or Model X New uh, refreshed models were produced in Q1 as we continue to wait for official deliveries of those cars to start. Now for Tesla, this is what's what's interesting about this to me is that this is their first quarter since Q1 of 2012, so a full nine years, and that Q1 2012 was the quarter before the Model S officially technically launched when they delivered a handful of Founder Series cars in June of 2012. But it's the first quarter since Q1 2012 that Tesla has not delivered any, or well, they've not produced, let's put it that way, they've not produced any Model S's. Now, I realize that technically they have produced S's at least. Maybe there's been no sightings of any new Model X's. Technically, they have made some S's, just not for customers. You know, of course, the Tesla community has been abuzz in the last two, three weeks at all the sightings of the of the Plaid S engineering cars that have been running around, including me, by the way, with the one that I saw in San Francisco that I told you about on last week's show. But uh, to just finish that point for the Model X, this marks the first quarter since Q2 of 2015, again, before the Model X first released a few, first delivered a few Founder Series models. That was at the end of Q3 in 2015. So first quarter since Q2 2015 that there have not been any Model Xs produced either. So I think these are going to be both trivia questions at some point in in uh, the Tesla edition of Trivial Pursuit that'll get made in, in 10, 20 years from now. Now, Uh, The one other thing I'd like to bring up about this, if Q1, just again, to try and put this in perspective, if Q1 is still going to be the quote unquote worst, and I'm using the air quotes here that you can't see, (laughs) the worst quarter of the year for Tesla, which again, pretty normal for the car industry. Q4 is big. Everybody's doing holiday shopping, buying new cars. Q1, it tends to slow down. But if Q1 is going to continue to be the so-called worst quarter of the year for Tesla, Well, that floor is going to keep getting higher because if we, if we go ahead one year, uh, one year, you know, quarter, a year over year to Q1 2022, 
At that point, Giga Berlin should be online. It'll have perhaps even been online for a quarter or maybe even a touch more at that point, depending on how things go. And Giga Berlin will be continuing to ramp up Model Y production as they will be producing the 4680 structural battery pack Model Y for Europe. And on top of that, Giga Texas should be ramping up on Model Y, which of course is for the, those are going to be delivered to the eastern half of the United States, as well as they should be starting to get rolling by then on Cybertruck production as well. And over on another continent, as we keep going around the world here, Model Y's production ramp in Giga Shanghai that just got started in January of this year will have finished in a year from now. So they'll be in Q1 of 2022, Giga Shanghai will be going full speed on on Model Y production in addition to Model 3 production, which already is going at full speed there now. So the, the point of all that is to say that one year from now, Q1 2022, deliveries will almost certainly be a fair bit higher than the record-breaking 184,800 cars that we just got here in Q1 2021. And heck, let's, let's keep this thought exercise going for one more moment. Fast forward one more year to Q1 2023. Again, for focusing on the slow quarter, you'll have Fremont, Texas, Berlin, and Shanghai all fully ramped up at that point with, as a little little uh, icing on the cake, a handful of semis and, and, again, 2023, semis and roadsters, which are both going to be low-volume vehicles, sprinkled on top of all those numbers to boot. So the point of all this is to say, bravo to the Tesla team. They should all be exceptionally proud of the work they've done in another all-time record quarter for the company. And also, the future is just getting brighter and brighter, and the present, in the meantime, is fantastic as well. So great stuff. I loved reading these delivery numbers today. Really helped put me in a good mood here ahead of the podcast. Next up this week, Andre Carpathy, the head of autopilot at Tesla, did a podcast interview on the Robot Brains podcast hosted by Peter Abiel. That's spelled, if you're going to look it up, Robot Brains Podcast. And Peter Abiel, he spells his name P-I-E-T-E-R-A-B-B-E-E-L. And you can find that podcast on Spotify. It's about an hour long. In fact, I think it's a tad over. And I wanted to play just a few clips from me. I've got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five clips. So just a sampling, because again, I want you to go listen to the full interview that uh, that Peter did a great job on. I always want to try and lift up other content creators. But I do have a few Tesla-relevant clips that I do want to play for you, of course. The first one here is about uh, Andre explaining when Elon first recruited him to Tesla from OpenAI, which is where he had been working and which is where Peter Abiel is. Actually, Elon reached out and he asked me, hey, you've been like sort of consulting for the team. Do you actually want to join and and lead the computer vision team and the AI team here and help get this car to drive. And so he caught me at a very kind of correct time uh, when I was really getting restless. And I felt like this is a perfect 
And I think I can do this. I think I have the skills to contribute here. This is an incredibly impactful opportunity. And I love the company. And of course, I love Elon and everything that he's doing. And so I would say that again, sort of it was a moment where stars aligned for me. And I felt very strongly that this is the right thing to do at this time. And so I left OpenAI and I've been at Tesla for the last four years or so almost. Uh, so yeah, it's been some time. Yeah, I've been there for four years. And kind of funnily, I remember this moment where you were just about to leave OpenAI and a bunch of us are chatting about your plans and joking, but you also have serious and you're saying, well, you know, this is a job that on average people last six months. And here you are almost four years and knock on wood, this is just amazing. Yeah, that's accurate. I was aware of the average tenure uh, at Tesla, especially when you're working on very important projects, very close to Elon. And so, yeah, I was very much aware of this. So when I made your transition to Tesla, for example, I did not give up my apartment in San Francisco because I was just kind of like, you know, <laughs> really hedging my bets on what's going to happen in the next few months. But uh, yeah, here I am for four years later, still here. <laughs> what was more interesting to me there was what he said about people who work directly with Elon tending to only last six months. It's, Elon seems to be a very tough person to please. I mean, it sounds like a, a very high stakes, high reward kind of situation. I mean, I'll tell you, even if I had any kind of engineering skills, which I, to be clear, very much do not, I talk into microphones and cameras and, and type into computers for a living. But I, I wonder how much, how long I could stand in the pocket, on, you know, working for Elon. I mean, it would be incredibly exciting to be on the forefront of something like actual, practical, usable, full self-driving, which is exactly what Andre is, is doing. But I tell you, it sounds like you've got to be wired in a pretty particular way where you have an incredible drive, focus, and probably patience to an extent, and uh, probably a number of other personality traits. Like, it just probably seems like you got to be a, a particular kind of person to really hang in there and do that work. But, uh, God bless all the autopilot team who is doing it because the, the progress is coming and, and I can't wait to see what they have been working on. All right, uh, here is Andre speaking to how full self-driving fits in with Tesla's mission to advance sustainable energy. This was a good question. Elon sort of has a number of companies and a number of bets around just a higher level goal of uh, you know, making the future good, increase the probability of the future being good. You know, there, there's many aspects of the, to that, of course. And he's focused the Tesla mission around accelerating the transition to sustainable energy. Fundamentally, a large piece of this is getting people to transition to electric vehicles. And uh, we need to manufacture them at scale. And we want them to look like the future. And so the entire product itself uh, sort of looks like the future. It's a very clean design. And you want to be inspired by a progress in society and that things are developing in a positive direction. And so the car looks much more futuristic. And I think a big part of that also is that the car becomes, you know, it just becomes something magical in your life that can take you around in this beautiful future. And so I think autonomy really is part of just a broader vision to, to this future that we want to be part of where uh, we are driving electric vehicles with very little footprint and the society is sort of automated to a large extent. And uh, there's a huge amount of problems, of course, also around transportation and putting people in the loop 
with the amount of accidents that they get into. And also with the fact that uh, you don't want people to be really driving these cars because human brain is capable of so many beautiful things. Uh, so why should you solve the line following problem? That is not a good use of the brain. So not only is it unsafe to drive these cars, it's also just you want the brains to be doing something different. And so we have the technology to address this. So that's why we're working on it. You know, the way he phrases this, it sounds almost romantic, doesn't it? Like, I really like the way he talks about this. Although there are plenty of people out there, in fairness, who would probably, who might, well, not probably, who might grit their teeth hearing that. I mean, I'll tell you, I'm reading a book right now that my father-in-law got me for Christmas called Why We Drive. And while I'm not going to detour the podcast right now to talk about that book in detail, it's pretty interesting if you're ever curious to check it out because it sort of talks about the love of cars and the analogness of it and the sort of freedom and the sort of psychological aspects of of the freedom that that automobile travel affords, but also kind of it, it's uh, the author is very much uh, in in reasonable ways that I don't I don't I may not agree with, but I can't uh, sort of fault him for. He sort of is is against the idea of of an autonomous future. So anyway, I, I thought the way having started to read that book, I thought the way Andre explained that was was almost romantic in a way that I thought was was really cool. Uh, all right. How is it working with Elon Musk, Andre Carpathy? Well, he's obviously a very incredible person in many ways. I'm still trying to really map out his superpowers. He has incredibly well-developed intuition, I would say, in many aspects where he makes the right judgment calls, sometimes in what I perceive to be a lack of information, because he's not fully in detail of all the things, but yet his judgment is extremely good. I still haven't fully sort of understood how that happens. He has a way of taking a very complex system and simplifying it to just like the fundamentals and the really the first principle components of what really matters about the system and then making uh, statements about, about those. And so it's a very different way of thinking that I find kind of fascinating. By default, for example, Sometimes I get sort of overwhelmed by the system. I feel like I need to know the system in its full detail to make the correct decisions, but that's not how he operates. He somehow has a way to distill the system into a much simpler system in which he operates. And so I think I've learned a lot about just how to approach problems. He's a double-edged sword because in terms of working with him, right? Because he wants the future yesterday and he will push people and he will inject a lot of energy and he wants it to happen quickly. And you have to be of a certain, I think, uh, attitude to really tolerate that over long periods of time. But he surrounds himself with people who get energy out of that. And they also want the future to happen quicker. Those people really thrive at Tesla. And so I happen to also, I think, be like that. And so I don't personally mind it. I actually kind of thrive on it. And I love the energy of getting this to work faster, making a difference and having this impact. And so I really enjoy working with him because he has a way of injecting energy into the system, driving momentum, and he has incredibly good and developed judgment. So yeah, I overall just uh, really, really enjoy working with him. I think what Andre talks about there is a big part of what makes Elon someone who's really, really good at rallying the troops to all pull towards a big goal because he can synthesize big problems into very digestible solutions. And people think, yes, we can do this. And then they're willing, able, and motivated to actually go out and do it. 
You know, we don't often get to hear about what Elon is like from people who work with him, since if you if you really think about it, no one at Tesla does interviews anymore besides him. It's part of the side effect of there being no PR department anymore just to set up interviews. In fact, I I don't mean this like egotistically, but I think the last interview with someone high up at Tesla that wasn't Elon before this might have been my own Franz von Holzhausen interview back in October of 2019. I want to hear from more people at Tesla, not just Elon. Although Elon's fun to hear from, but as this Andre Carpathy interview proves, there's lots of other really awesome minds that are worth hearing from at the company as well. Anyway, let's do a couple more clips here from this Andre interview. This one uh, was a good question about how often does Andre meet with Elon on a on a regular weekly basis? Yeah, that's right. So we have autopilot meetings that range from a week to multiple times a week, depending on you know uh, just how much scrutiny is being put on the autopilot. Maybe right in front of releases, we would have more than a week. And multiple times in the history of the team, it's been every single day. So yeah, on any of those frequencies, depending on what's happening. I would imagine that these days, as they push towards this big full self-driving beta 9 that they're getting ready to release to a much larger pool of people, that those meetings are probably just about daily. I mean, Elon has said in the past that he, he interviews autopilot candidates for open roles personally. So that gives you an idea of how hands-on Elon is with this team. I hope the autopilot team, in all seriousness, I hope they are getting weekends to recharge, and I hope that they do have some kind of healthy work-life balance. Although I wouldn't be at all surprised if they're in crunch mode right now. But just generally speaking, I do hope that that they are uh, not crunched to the bone because uh, I could, you know... Being so familiar with the video game industry, where that's a that's a big uh, problem for many years, and is now really starting to get a lot of awareness around it, I hope that's not an issue at Tesla. Even though you know the autopilot team is is doing some of the most important work, I'm sure Elon would say it's some of the most important work in the whole company. But all right, one more clip here. Uh, how is the current beta build of what Andre himself is driving in his car? So the current system is the full self-driving beta build that I drive around every day. And it's actually quite capable. I think people sort of understand that the autopilot is, you know, it works quite well on the highway and a lot of people use it and it can keep a lane on the highway. But the latest builds that we have in the full self-driving package are quite competent, even off highway in city streets. So I was driven to get a coffee this morning and back to my house, a 20 minute drive around Palo Alto, and it was zero intervention drive. And this is a relatively routine for us. So it's not a perfect system, but it's really getting there. And I definitely keep my hands on the wheel because, uh, you know, we will still do not very clever things once in a while. And so there's definitely more work to be done. I would presume that Andre is running beta nine right now, or at least an in progress build of it anyway. Although for all I know, he could have something even past that. But I would imagine that he would probably be the most critical about it of anybody on this planet. So to hear that he seems to feel really good about the net, the uh, current version that's in his car, I mean, he even sounded happy, maybe I'm reaching too far here, but he even sounded happy when he said that. He didn't sound anxious or stressed or hesitant about his words. So that in turn makes me feel really good about what's coming down the pipeline into our cars very soon. 
Again, uh, to hear the entire interview, check out the Robot Brains podcast with Peter Abiel, and you can find that on Spotify. Next up this week, an interesting report from thedriven.io, that's the website, regarding the seemingly canceled Model Y rear-wheel drive long range. From The Driven, who writes, the California Air Resources Board, known as CARB, published executive orders for the long-range rear-wheel drive version of the Model Y electric crossover, signaling that it could be available for sale within months if the company follows previous timelines for other vehicles. The listing is under a new order number, indicating this version of the Model Y has not been previously certified as a zero-emissions vehicle by the Air Board. And long story short, on the range, I'm skipping ahead to later in their write-up, uh, the long-range rear-wheel drive in this CARB uh, order here would likely put the car at about 329 miles of range. Now, before you get too excited, there's one huge asterisk hanging off of this thing. The model year on the order number, which the Driven posted a screenshot of uh, from the actual CARB website, and it says model year 2020. So if this were really happening, I would presume this would be for model year 2021. So that's what I'm having trouble reconciling here. I'm not doubting the Driven's report. I'm not, don't, don't take it as me knocking them. I'm not saying that at all. Everything they posted about the CARB listing is factually correct. But given that it says model year 2020 on it, I can't help but wonder if maybe this was planned at some point last year, but then the plan changed, uh, changed, pardon me, because after all, we've seen that happen with Tesla many times before, including very recently. Look no further than the standard range Model Y that I've talked about a good bit on the podcast in recent weeks. It was made available on the design studio and subsequently yanked a month later, so The hypothesis that this was planned last year but then scrapped might also be corroborated by the fact that not too long ago, as I believe I mentioned here on the podcast, Tesla started calling those of you out there who'd had long-range rear-wheel drive Model Y orders since the Model Y unveiling in March 2019, and Tesla was telling those people that that car is not going to get made, so they need to cancel or switch their order to one of the other configurations. So I wanted to bring this back, uh, bring this up just in case something good comes out of this. But at this point, I think it'd probably be a heck of a 180 for Tesla. I mean, heck, even the range that, w- that was reported to CARB there, 329 miles, I mean, that just wouldn't be materially different from the long-range dual-motor Model Y, which is rated for a nearly identical 326 miles. So I don't think this is happening, but I did want to go through that with you just to sort of, you know, in case you hear anything about it, but, and and again, just in case Tesla does decide to surprise us. All right, next this week, Elon Musk held a 2020 recap call for Tesla employees, just a big internal conference call, and mentioned a couple of interesting things. This was reported via teslaoracle.com who says, according to several sources, those sources being Tesla employees, CEO Elon Musk held a company-wide call 
and informed all the employees about how this will be an amazing year for Tesla and how the next few years will be even better, including the possibility that the company might sell 1 million cars in 2021. And then second, this tip comes from reporter Sawyer Merritt, who I've mentioned on the podcast before. Sawyer says that the uh, he hears that the FSD, from that same call, by the way, that apparently Elon said that FSD subscription should be available in six weeks, which might be about five by the time you're hearing this. Now, first, for the one million car figure, uh, that would certainly be impressive. Now, remember that on, back on the, I had to go back and research this actually, because I thought it was just recently on the Q4 earnings call, but no, it was, which was the most recent one. No, it was the one before that. The Q3 earnings call, Elon responded to an analyst and basically intimated that they were looking at around 840,000 cars produced and delivered in 2021. Uh, One million would mark a pretty substantial increase from that. That'd be about 20% higher than 840K. Uh, Now, that, I imagine, would probably have to come from outside of Fremont, kind of like how I was going over at the top of the show about the Q1 delivery numbers. You know, be it a very quick Model Y production ramp in Giga Shanghai and or earlier than expected openings of Giga Berlin and or Giga Texas, which will, again, both kick off with Model Y before Texas tees up the Cybertruck as well. And as for the full self-driving subscription option being about six weeks away, well, that certainly gels with the Q2 timeline that Elon has publicly guided. In fact, that would be smack dab in the middle of Q2. So uh, what is at stake here? Well, for me... It's my standing bet for charity with my friend Eli Burton from My Tesla Adventure over how much it's going to cost per month. So, uh, Eli, I guess we'll get that bet of ours resolved in the next five or six weeks or so. Finally this week, Pepsi is gearing up, if you will pardon the expression, since gearing up doesn't really happen in a Tesla (laughs) But they are getting ready to take delivery of 15 Tesla semi-trucks later this year that, uh, of course, won't have any gears in them at all, but Pepsi nevertheless excited. This story, I found it on the Tesla Motors Reddit, so a tip of the cap there, and it was written up on Motley Fool, who says, PepsiCo said it would deploy 15 electric semi-trucks later this year. It did not name the manufacturer, but since PepsiCo has a pre-order in place with Tesla, to ultimately take delivery of 100 such vehicles. And I'll note, on top of what Motley Fool says there, that I'm not aware of any other electric semi-trucks outside of what Tesla's doing. So it kind of narrows it down, I think. But uh, the widespread, as Motley Fool continues, the widespread and sensible assumption is that they will be semi-models produced by Tesla. Now, uh, as as noted there by Motley Fool, Pepsi has the largest known order for Tesla semis at a hundred of them. So taking that into consideration, it would make sense that they would be the first external customer to take delivery. Now I say external because Tesla has previously and repeatedly suggested that Tesla will be Tesla's own first customer for the Tesla semi. Uh, This timeline, by the way, is corroborated by a couple of things. 
not just the guidance in the most recent quarterly shareholder letter, but also the fact that, as I believe I mentioned last week, and pardon me if I didn't, that Tesla released a little promotional video of the semi on the uh, racing around the Fremont factory test track a week or so ago. Then again, hold on, then again, there was also this Twitter exchange last week. Ride the Lightning listener James Stevenson asked Elon on Twitter, how's the semi coming along, Elon? And Elon's response, we are too cell constrained right now, but probably okay next year. Now, that's certainly not the same thing as saying that the semi would be pushed into 2022, because we're talking about 15 trucks here. Tesla can definitely do that. The 4680 cell pilot program production may look tight this year, not, again, corroborated by the fact that they pushed the Plaid Plus Model S into mid-2022, but I do imagine that Tesla will get it started And hopefully the Tesla Semi will be hauling your favorite sugary beverages around in about the next six to eight months or so. All right, that is everything I've got for you in the world of Tesla news for this week. But as usual, stick with me. The show's only half over. Your Ride the Lightning Hotline phone calls are coming up right after this. Time to get to your calls from the Ride the Lightning hotline. A real quick public service announcement first. April's Patreon-only bonus mini-episode is up. That's where all uh, the extra phone calls that I can't get to during the regular weekly shows go to make sure to get the attention that they deserve. The callers this month, if I call your name and you are not already backing me on Patreon at the ludicrous tier, which is what enables you to get access to that bonus mini-episode each month, Just drop me an email, teslapodcast at gmail.com, because if I did play your call on the bonus episode, bonus mini episode, I'd like you to be able to hear it. So I'll give you a one-time download token so that you can check that out. So the callers for that bonus mini episode are Omar from Los Angeles, Andrew from uh, Florida, pardon me, Stefan from Monterey, Ron from Nashville, if I heard it correctly, Dubs from Cleveland, who was calling in about his Mattel uh, radio-controlled Cybertruck order. Kaz from San Diego, Io from Virginia, Jason from Long Island City, James from the Bay Area, Steve from New York, Fernando from Canada, and Rich from Seattle. All right, so time for this week's calls and a reminder that I welcome and invite your participation. I would love to have you be part of the podcast via your Ride the Lightning hotline phone call. So if you've got a Tesla question, comment, or discussion topic, drop me a line. There's one of two easy ways that you can do that. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get through as many calls each week as possible, and then email that file to me at the aforementioned email address, teslapodcast at gmail.com. The other option is to call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number. Dial at any time, day or night. The number is one 888 Again, that's one 989 
TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. That is who provides my infrastructure here for the Ride the Lightning Hotline, and I am appreciative of that. Let's start with Anthony from Los Angeles. Hey, Ryan, this is Anthony from Los Angeles. Big fan of the show, been listening since about episodes 80s, uh, somewhere around there. But yeah, big fan, love Daisy, and I'm glad she's doing a lot better. Uh, my question for you, now, I, I love Tesla, but I still love uh, ICE cars. You know, just something about the sound of the engine, I love them. I drive an ICE car, I look forward to my Tesla, but I'm thinking that the end game for me is a Model 3 as a daily and the ICE vehicle as the weekend car. That said, I hate that what ICE cars do to the environment. So my question to anyone out there and you, Ryan, is I would like to pay a voluntary carbon tax for the miles I drive on my car. I'm dead serious. I just want my carbon tax money to go somewhere, somewhere I know that will make a difference. So if, if anyone has an idea, I would very much appreciate that. Um, again, I, I'm super, I'm dead serious. And I, and I think this could be the start of something for all our, your listeners, maybe. Um, but yeah, again, love the show. And I look forward to your response. Anthony, thank you for your call and, and for your noble gesture here. I mean, I absolutely believe you. And quite frankly, I applaud you. You know, even Elon has likened the internal combustion engine car's future to that of the horse, where you'd still use it for fun from time to time, just not as your daily transportation. Now, as for your question about paying a voluntary carbon tax, I do have a suggestion, although in this case, I would also be very happy to open this up to other listeners who may also have good suggestions. This could be a good one to crowdsource ideas for, particularly if your call inspires others out there to consider doing this themselves. So my suggestion comes from my friends at the Teslab app, who you may remember sponsored the show earlier this year. They do this themselves through their app if you want. If you're a Teslab user, you can sign up for this. So I'll mention it to you if you'd like to look into it on your own. It's onetreeplanted.org. The word, the, the number one spelled out, O-N-E, onetreeplanted.org. They plant trees to offset your carbon usage. They've got options on there. I was poking around. They've got some options for both businesses and individuals. So perhaps that one would work for you. Check out that site and have fun, Anthony. Andrew from Denton, Texas is up next. Go ahead, Andrew. Hey, Ryan. This is Andrew from Denton, Texas, and I have a question pertaining to the Cybertruck and accidents. So say you get into an accident in your Cybertruck and it causes some damage to the unibody or any other part of the truck. What does that mean for getting things replaced or getting the car fixed or taking it to an auto body shop? Is it any more in depth to be able to fix a unibody than a normal truck or car? And then also, what does it mean for the safety of other drivers who, say, get in an accident with a Cybertruck? Is it more dangerous for them than getting in an accident with a normal truck, seeing it as it is such a tank? Super appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks. 
Thanks for your call, Andrew. I may have mentioned this before, but in case I haven't, the stainless steel can be repaired by any good metal worker. Whether or not auto body shop technicians are also qualified metal workers, I honestly just don't know. But uh, you would be shocked, I promise you, you would be shocked if I showed you pictures of damaged DeLorean body panels that were brought back to 100% perfect status by a good metal worker. Of course, the DeLorean has the relative advantage of having its panels come off the car from its fiberglass underbody, making the panels much easier to work on. The Cybertruck will no doubt be a bit trickier in that regard. As for the safety of the people on the other side of an accident with the Cybertruck, uh, that's been one of the most wondered about things since the Cybertruck was announced. I've had calls and emails about it before. And the reality is that as of now, neither Elon nor Tesla have directly addressed that question as of yet. But I'll say what I've said before on that topic, and that is this. Given Tesla's objectively impeccable track record for safety in all four of their cars, I think you've just got to give them the benefit of the doubt this one, uh, on this one. But we will nevertheless uh, have to wait for more details, and somebody, the next person that gets an interview with Elon should totally ask about that. Next up is Bill in Erie, Pennsylvania, also talking Cybertruck. Hello, Ryan. This is Bill in Erie, longtime podcast listener and awaiting for a Cybertruck someday. I was curious and even tweeted Elon on this one. What's the chance of the Cybertruck coming standard with a trailer hitch? I know there are many of us that would dearly love to have that. Just appreciate your thoughts on that matter. Thanks. By the way, hope Daisy the Boxer Peppy is doing well. Bill, that is an excellent question. Quite honestly, I'd be surprised if it wasn't a standard feature. I mean, I get it being an option on the Model Y. Not everybody is going to be towing stuff using their family crossover SUV. But the Cybertruck is touted by Elon as being tougher than the fake tough trucks. So he'd be opening himself up to some easy shots by Ford's marketing department if the Cybertruck fails to include at least a basic standard tow hitch. Your call inspired me to look this up because I confess, I've said this before, I don't know anything about trucks. I've never owned one. They're not really my thing, uh, typically. So I don't know about this stuff. I looked it up, and yes, the Ford F-150, which I specifically bring up because that's what Elon has repeatedly benchmarked the Cybertruck against, the F-150 does indeed come standard with a basic tow hitch. So therefore, I expect that the Cybertruck will also. Thanks, Bill. Todd and Tanya from Wisconsin are next. Hey, Ryan. Todd and Tanya from Wisconsin here. And Gus the Wolfhound, wishing Daisy the Boxer great recovery. Love your show. We have a Cybertruck dual motor on order. Ordered it like the third day after the announcement. And we were wondering what packages we should be looking for to add or to not add to our truck when the time comes to make those decisions. Uh, we're in Wisconsin, so the winter package will probably be necessary. Uh, question number two is, in the meantime, we are looking at used model S. 
and we were wondering about what resource you would recommend that best breaks down which model years have which uh, changes, etc. Um, the airbag suspensions, etc., etc., so on and so forth. We started to dig into it, but there's such a menagerie online of all kinds of folks, great folks like you, doing their their best to help get the word out. So, thank you, sir, and uh, you have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Todd, thank you to both yourself and Tanya for the well wishes towards Daisy. Uh, it's two weeks until her next checkup, at which point, in fact, from today as I record, at which point then we'll really see how she's doing, and if all goes well, she'll get cleared to resume full activity. I have to say, I mean, it's been kind of tough because not only does she want to go out on more walks and do more stuff, she's gotten noticeably chunkier since she can't burn off her food. She can't burn off the weight, which, by the way, I'm monitoring the quantity of the food, and and this poor puppy over here, this poor dog, she's not a puppy anymore, but she's out of shape thanks to that extra weight and the lack of activity. But, you know, that is secondary to her heart itself. So fingers crossed that we're going to get good news in a couple weeks. Anyway, to your call, I confess I hadn't thought about the Model S Sub-Zero package in years. So thank you for reminding me because that's a, that's again, I, I was talking about, uh, forget what I was saying earlier in the show about, a, a, you know, something will be trivia. Oh yeah, the production of SNX. And yeah, I feel like the Sub-Zero package could be trivia at some point too. The Model S used to have a Sub-Zero package as an option. It added a heated steering wheel, heated windshield washer nozzles, heated side mirrors, and heated windshield wipers. It then became standard at one point, although I confess I don't know if it's standard now on the new SNX. I couldn't find anything specifically about those features, but it kind of doesn't matter anyway because you're asking about the Cybertruck. Now, on a truck with a base price of $40,000, I think it might not be safe to assume that those features, assuming the Cybertruck offers at least a few of them, will be standard. So yes, the odds are good that that might be an option package. The same goes for an upgraded towing package as well to allow for the maximum towing capacity. Uh, as As for your question about tracking Model S changes over the years as you go shopping for a a pre-owned Model S. Uh, Because yes, there have been many changes to the Model S over the years. And as you know, Tesla doesn't do traditional model years. And so the S would change multiple times in really notable ways in the course of a single year. I recommend this. If you Google history of Tesla Model S options, you'll get some good results on that Google search. The first result links to an archived page from the Tesla Motors Club wiki that runs through all the changes chronologically in in rather explicit detail. So you got to maybe set some time aside to pour through that. You'll also see one of the next of the top search results from tesla-info.com. That has a great list too, which I took a look at. So I hope that helps. And thank you very much for your call. David from Minnesota is our next caller. Go ahead, David. Hey, Ryan. This is David from Minnesota. Uh, I just had a question about charging at destination chargers. And so basically, uh, I go on these 14-hour road trips from St. Paul, Minnesota to Cleveland, Ohio. 
and we stop overnight, but looking for a destination charger isn't always easy. And I'm wondering if you have any suggestions for an app or just an easier way to find destination chargers on the route uh, on a big road trip. So thanks so much. Love the show. David, I can definitely make a couple of helpful suggestions here. First, the car shows those destination chargers to you. Tap the charging icon on the map screen and the gray icons that pop up are destination chargers. The red ones are superchargers. The gray ones are destination chargers. So give that a look if you haven't already. Second, there are a couple of really good third-party sites slash apps that I think can help with this too. Abetterroutplanner.com and Plugshare.com. Both of those have been around for a very long time. In fact, Plugshare in particular, as, as uh, I recall it, was especially valuable to Roadster owners, original Roadster owners, in the days before the Supercharger Network even existed. So I hope that helps. Thanks for your call. And next up, Kent from Utah. Hey, Ryan. My name is Kent C. Dodds, calling from Utah. I've been listening since episode 200 with Elon Musk, which was great. I have a question about range. So we have a Model 3, and we'll sometimes take it on longer trips. And it's been a bit of a problem. So we got this Model 3 in 2019, and I believe that the range that was uh, sold to us was around 300, 310, or something like that. Um, now when I'm charging, I'm only getting 250 miles when I go up to 80%. And if I go to 100%, I'm getting around 290. I think that's normal. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but uh, the, the problem is that the trip is just a little over 300 miles to get there. There are two superchargers on the way that we can stop at. Uh, which is fine. I, I don't have a problem with that. But the the issue is that the Tesla doesn't seem to be reporting the miles very accurately. The freeway speed for most of the trip is 80 miles an hour. And I know that's pretty fast for uh, an electric vehicle, especially uh, it has a big impact on the range. But it seems to say that uh, we're going to make it fine to our supercharger destination um, and then it, over time, it starts to say, hey, we are actually not going to make it fine. You need to slow down. And so my wife will slow down. And then, oh, hey, you're not going to make it even if you're going that speed. So you're going to slow down. And pretty soon, she's going like 60 miles an hour or 55 miles an hour on an 80-mile-an-hour road. And, um, and yeah, that's not great. I just wonder if this is a bug that you've seen before um, and uh, if we really can trust the mileage on the website for these these cars, because we kind of want to get a, a seven seater Model Three or Model Y. Hope that uh, makes sense. Thank you for all that you do. Hey Kent, I am happy to try and help here. You're already on the right track. The behavior you're seeing is normal, both as far as the range you're seeing after a couple of years and the range on the trip. The reality is that if you're actually driving 300 miles. There's almost no way you'd actually get 300 miles of range because, as you noted, you drive much faster than 55 or even 65 on the interstate to get where you're going. That's traffic moving. That's just how it is. And the, the fact is the drag at those speeds increases drastically. Basically, every five miles an hour you go, uh, an additional five miles an hour faster that you go, you're, you're dragging a lot more. You're burning a lot more range uh, by doing so. Now, the, the Model Y is going to do the same thing. One The thing is, one reasonably short stop at the supercharger, like you mentioned you've got there, should get you to your destination pretty comfortably, though. And, and the way I look at it is this. Uh, you can put it back in. 
you can put that juice back in at a supercharger a lot faster than you can burn it. So drive fast, if, you know, safely. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> do, you know, 75, 80, whatever you got to do on the, on the interstate in a safe manner to, to get where you're going. And just hit that supercharger, take advantage of it. Uh, now, I will say, uh, speaking for myself, it took me a road trip or two to get really comfortable with, with how the car, beha- uh, the car behaves on a road trip. I was definitely anxious at first. And my first road trip, I charged way longer than I needed to in order to try and avoid any rang- range anxiety whatsoever. Now that I've done it a few times... I feel much better about it. So safe travels in your Model 3, and if you decide to get one, the Model Y as well. One more caller this week. It's going to be Christian from West Virginia. Hi, Christian from West Virginia here. I'm an owner of a 2021 Model 3 Standard Range Plus. I took delivery at the end of 2020, so I've been enjoying some of the bonus perks that were uh, Offered at that time, the free year of supercharging and uh, three months of full self-driving. That's been fun. Um, wanted to ask a question about uh, a la carte upgrades. I've, I've noticed since being an owner, I have the option of adding the rear heated seats, I think for $300, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, I'm wondering about the potential for other small a la carte uh, upgrades in the standard range plus uh, Model 3 fleet. For instance, the interior ambient lighting. Uh, we have my wife and children with us. If we drop uh, French fry or something for the baby, it's awfully hard to find without reaching for the phone uh, with the flashlight on to get it. Um, our our budget and uh, use case and other vehicles we have uh, just made the most sense to get the standard range plus Model 3. We didn't necessarily need to upgrade for $9,000 for the all-wheel drive um, and premium interior. Uh, and long-range batteries. So anyway, I just wanted to ask if others in the community, you know, have any perspective on that or if you do on uh, what the potential is for Standard Range Plus owners to be able to purchase some of those small uh, upgrades that uh, long-range and and performance owners have. Thanks. Hey, Christian, welcome to the podcast. Uh, You got a fantastic car with that brand new Standard Range Plus Model 3. I have often said I think the new Standard Range Plus Model 3 with the 263-mile range, is just a tremendous value for the price. It's definitely possible that the ambient lighting could be an in-app upgrade. I mean, I'm pretty sure your car has the lights, although I confess I'm not 100% sure, since the interior is a partial premium interior. But knowing Tesla, they wouldn't build some cars without them and then put them in others, they just build all of them with the lights for simplicity and manufacturing and just not hook it up, basically. But yeah, keep an eye on that upgrade section of your app. Since you've got a 2021 model, it is possible that you might have a dormant heated steering wheel in your car as well. Thanks so much, and thanks to everybody who called in. Dial in anytime I gave you the call-in instructions, one of the two easy ways you can call in at the top of the segment. Stick with me, though. The podcast is not yet over. I'll be right back with more right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Well, as for me and what's going on with my car, it is finishing up a spa day at Immaculate Reflections. I think I might have mentioned last week 
the fallen glass that that uh, ended up on my trunk lid after some people tried to break into my garage. Thankfully, they failed, as I'd mentioned to you. But uh, yeah, the glass ended up scratching, gouging the paint protection film on the top of the trunk lid. So getting that taken care of. Uh, looking forward to picking up my car tomorrow. That will be nice. It'll be a nice little weekend trip out there to Jeff's shop at Immaculate Reflections. Hey, anyway, entertainment recommendation for you. Uh, how about Superman and Lois on the CW? I'm watching it on the app. Uh, I, I don't have TV anymore, but you can watch it on the app. It's uh, It's got ads, but no big deal. And I have to say, I really enjoy it. It is a... It's sort of like a combination of Smallville, which I loved, and Lois and Clark, which I also loved. So give that a look. If you're a Superman fan, I think it's a really interesting take on it. The Basically, it's Superman and Lois are married and have been for a long time, and they have two teenage twin sons. So that's the setup, and I'm really digging it so far. So check that out if you need something fun to watch. Pro tip of the week time. Omar from L.A. It's all you, sir. Go ahead. Hey, Ryan. This is Omar from Los Angeles. Just wanted to call to say that I went back and listened to the Joe Rogan podcast with Elon Musk, and I noticed that he mentioned that a lot of people still don't know the hidden features to the Teslas. And one of the features that he mentioned was that if you're ever wanting to go home and you don't want to input the address, you could just go on to the Navigate and drag it down, and it'll automatically the car will predict where you want to go, whether it's to work or home. And he said that the software is just going to keep getting better, where it's always going to predict where you're trying to go. Just wanted to call and say if you already knew this or if this was a feature that was recently added. But I thought it was pretty cool how there's still some hidden features like that in the Teslas. Um, thanks for all your hard work, Ryan. I listen to the podcasts every weekend. I always look forward to it just want to say I do appreciate everything you do for the community. Thank you, and I look forward to hearing the next podcast. Thank you. Omar, thank you very much for the kind words. I very much appreciate it. Uh, I have definitely played that one as a pro tip before, but it is a really useful one, so I don't mind playing it again for new owners and or people who are new to the podcast. I use that one pretty much every time I drive the car. If you swipe your finger down over the navigation button while you're at home, it'll automatically lay in a course for whatever you have set to work. And if you're anywhere but home and you do that same swipe down, it'll guide you back home. If you've got a pro tip of the week you'd like to share with me and your fellow Ride the Lightning listeners, send it in via the same way that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls. And with that, let me mention some friends of the podcast starting uh, with abstractocean.com, purveyors of many, many, many fine Tesla accessories. Check them out, abstractocean.com. There's the tempered glass screen protector. That's one of their biggest sellers. The, uh, let's see, there is the drop-in cup holder stabilizers, newish. The rear footwell lighting kit. All kinds of goodies there. Just browse around, see what, what catches your eye. Pile it all into your cart and then use the coupon code, oh, it's all one word here, RTL podcast at checkout and you will get 15% off of your first order. Thank you to Abstract Ocean for your continued generosity shown towards my audience. And then how about Immaculate Reflections? Just mention them. Uh, there is a discount waiting for you if you are a listener of the show 
And you better believe that I asked for that discount when I went, when I'm picking up my car. We talked about it. I said, do I get the discount because I'm making the show? It's like, yes, you do. So uh, be sure to ask for that discount if you need some detailing work done by an absolute awesome human and awesome professional if you're here in the San Francisco Bay Area or you're gonna be here with your car, whether you're doing a ceramic coating or like in my case this time, some uh, replacement paint protection film or you wanna do paint correction, whatever you're looking for, they'll take you take good care of you, great care of you and your car at Immaculate Reflections. Get booked or just inquire with Jeff at his website, which can be found at irdetailing.com. And uh, what else? Ah, the snap plate. Get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL, the front license plate bracket for people like me that hate having to have a front license plate. It comes on and off. I mean, it stays on securely, but it includes a tool. You can take it on and off pretty easily and without damaging or scratching anything on the car. Uh, I highly recommend this if you're in a if you're in a place where you do need a front plate. So again, that link is everyamp.com/rtl. How about puretesla.com/rtl? Go there, grab a Sentry Mode/dashcam kit, order it, and you're done because it's free shipping anywhere in the United States. It comes to you fully formatted. You just take it out of the package, plug it into your car, and you're done, and you don't have to worry about it ever again because you'll have either the $49, 128-gig uh, storage drive there, the micro SD card, or the 256-gigabyte option for $69. So that's puretesla.com slash RTL. And then Jada, my friends over at Jada, keeping busy. There's the Jada wireless charging pad for model for the uh, most of the Model 3s except the new ones. There's the Jada USB hubs for the 3s and the Ys. There's the Jada SSD drive that plugs into the uh, USB, the Jada USB hub. And now they have the Jada tray that I've mentioned as well. It goes in the center console and it will wirelessly charge some, uh, you know, your accessories, things like Apple AirPods or Pixel Buds. So check all that out. And you can use the coupon code RTL for a nice $25 discount off of your order. Finally, I want to mention my Patreon uh, as a, a new month rolls in here. Perhaps uh, perhaps now's a good time that you might think, well, okay, you know, beginning of a new month, maybe now, maybe now's a good time to support Ryan on Patreon. And I hope you'll think that. Uh, I do put a ton of time and energy and research and enthusiasm and, and hopefully some professionalism too into this thing. And, you know, I put it out there for free every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. But I am listener supported totally optionally via Patreon. Uh, so, you know, the pledges, you can back me starting at five bucks a month, or you could do it as a one time payment for the year and you'll get a 5% discount. So instead of uh, 60 bucks, it's 57 bucks. And you've just, you've, uh, You've done one payment and supported me for a, a year. So however you want to do it, I would just sincerely appreciate your support if you are willing and able to do so. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe next month. But I'll be here, and uh, hopefully you can eventually join me on Patreon. To find out more or to make a, a, a pledge on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. 
Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. That brings me to the end of the podcast, uh, where I want to mention the sort of, you know, the producer credits. These are the credits. These are where all uh, of some of the higher tier Patreon folks get shouted out. The Roadster in Space tier, my friends Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, my friend on Twitter, at Rodam, Fernando Cordero, and Lawton from Chicago. Thanks to all of you. The Maximum Plaid tier, Jonathan Wales, Sean Neidig, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Howard Anthony Smith, Jackson Wallace, Charles Galpin, Neil Weaver, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversall, Todd Badger, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, and uh, Michael Williams, and MT. Thanks to all of you, and I hope to see everybody that I just heard, that I just mentioned rather, at the monthly Ride the Lightning Patreon Google Hangout, where we just hang for an hour. Got the video camera, got the you know the camera on. We all just uh, say hi and, and talk Tesla, and it's been a really, really fun time with that. Again, that's anybody that, that joins the Patreon gets a one-time welcome invitation to that. But if you're at the maximum plaid tier or higher, you get invited every month, and we've been having some really great chats on that. And I'm looking forward to that. I mean, that'll have probably already happened by the time most of you hear this show. It's I'm doing these on the first Sunday of the month, which I realized too late that it's Easter Sunday. So uh, I do apologize for that. I will try to be more more cognizant of of holidays uh, moving forward and not to to put these things where people might already have existing family plans. But anyway, I hope a lot of you that I just mentioned will uh, will be there. And then there's the Plaid supporters. Thank you to the Plaid crew. George Cassioppo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Will Stedman, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, congratulations on your new Model Y, Jared, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, The Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Scott Gillis, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, and Travis Krenzel. Thanks to all of you for your continued Patreon support. It really makes a big difference for me. And with that, the sleeping Daisy the Boxer and I will bid you adieu for this week. This was Ride the Lightning episode 296. We're into Q2, which means the full self-driving download button should be coming our way. There's, uh, There's always fun stuff to look forward to in the world of Tesla, and I will always be here for you to help recap and analyze it for you. So stick with me each and every week. Thank you so much for listening. Happy electric motoring, and I'll see you next week.
I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun. 